Hey everybody, thank you for downloading this episode of Out Front with AJ and Nick. I am Nick Sarantos, joined over the interwebs and Skype by my good buddy AJ Signeri. AJ, say hello to the people. Hi. Jesus. Well, he uh, <laughs> decided to go with something weird there, folks, because AJ is nothing if not weird. Now, my friend, I uh, have come to you with uh, some questions, some things, but I want to get into this first. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, last night on uh, Stephen Colbert, John Stewart stopped by to remind us that it's it's only been 11 days. We've, we've, we've been experiencing a Trump presidency for only 11 days. And if that's not enough to give you pause... And to think about all the craziness that's taken place since the inauguration we had on day two, the awesome Women's March, which I know made AJ very happy to see that many people out in the streets. We then moved from that into a couple executive orders allowing for the pipelines that people fought very hard to make sure wouldn't go through. And well, now they're going through. So we have that to go with. Uh, we've had a camp or uh, cabinet appointments who don't belong in the positions that they're getting, who don't like the agencies that they're part of. We have a doctor who's in charge of housing and urban development. We have a woman in charge of the education system who went through today and uh, doesn't believe in public education. All of these wonderful things, which culminated last Friday night with a late executive order from the president of the United States banning travel from seven, seven predominantly Muslim countries. Uh, the administration has claimed that it is not a Muslim ban. Most experts say that, well, if you don't call it that, fine, but that's exactly what this is. And now uh, we find ourselves again looking at what we would love, what I would hope would be the Democrats being able to use this as an opportunity to fight the fight, yet they've remained decidedly silent. We've had uh, incidents where Nancy Pelosi is going to speak on Capitol Hill and the microphone doesn't work. So, you know, that. And it just kind of feels like the world is tumbling out of control. I would like to be able to uh, make some of you feel better. But uh, lately, all I've been saying to friends of mine is, oh, God, oh, God, we're all going to die. And uh, if you come to peace with that, you know, this is it's fine. We're just all going to die horribly. It's cool. So that's where I'm at. And uh, as we are talking about this, the, the reason that I wanted to do a show today with my good buddy was he posted something on Facebook about Democrats and dreams and changing things within the system. And AJ, would you mind telling the people what exactly it was you said? I do believe I said um, you cannot build a future worthy of your dreams through the Democratic Party. And that, ladies and gentlemen, will be our launching point. But before we get into the launching point of really discussing this, you should know that Age and I have had arguments before, and this is an important lesson that we're going to get through today. You can disagree with people and still be friends with them. It, it seems harder to do, and yes, don't get me wrong, if AJ and I disagreed on certain things, we probably wouldn't be friends, but this is one of those arguments uh, that he and I have had kind of going for a while, but we've never really had it on the podcast, so we're going to talk about something that's very important to AJ and important to me, and that is the future of the, I guess we would call it, I would always call it the Democratic Party, uh, we could call it the progressive movement, you can call it the leftist agenda, or as I'm sure that the Alex Joneses of the world would call it, our secret communist agenda to kill everybody for world domination, or the like. Um, uh -huh. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, AJ, we have those meetings that we go to where we plan the destruction of America because we just hate it. We hate it so very much. Well, yeah. I'm I mean, he kind of nailed it on the head. <laughs> exactly. 
All right, so for those of you, we've been doing this show. We're coming up on our 100th episode of Out Front. It'll be in a few weeks, and uh, I have something that I'm working on, even to surprise AJ for that, but that's for another day. You'll love it. It's, it's me in lingerie. Um, here's the deal. Uh, AJ is a socialist. I consider myself a Democrat. Uh, and if you're one of the people who listen to this who are more towards the middle or consider yourself an independent, you may be wondering, because of the way the media portrays us, that there is a, no difference between the two of us, and you couldn't be more wrong. And one of the great examples is the post that AJ put up. Now, I, since the election, have been working very, very hard to get more ingrained with the Democratic Party. I've gone to a few meetings. Uh, I'm working with a couple fundraisers to try to become more involved, get some of my ideas in front of the right people. I believe that this is the way to go. I think that if I was able to talk my buddy AJ and another friend of mine named Mike to be able to come and come with me to these meetings, that we might be able to, through what we would subtitle a non-grassroots way, I guess, to force the par- the party of the left to move more in line with their beliefs and my own. AJ disagrees. So I will start with this, AJ. You are a socialist. You make no qualms about that. Please tell me what exactly it is about the socialist agenda from whenever you started to really become involved with it that you support, that, you're, that you are hoping to realize with your, with your movement. Well, it's, it's kind of um, a two-pronged response because um, for those who have known me, um, I've studied, for the lack of a better term, radical politics, probably started in college. Um, it, it was not even the Communist Manifesto I started with. It was a few other books and then the Communist Manifesto and everything. And then I took courses in the political science department. And a professor gave me an independent study on Marxism to learn everything. So, I mean, I kind of started that at a very early slash late stage of my life on radical politics. But as other people may know, um, I didn't get I didn't cut my political teeth, as it were, um, with the Greens or socialists. It actually started with the Democratic Party, Um because we never had Greens. We never had socialists in my area. We had a Democratic Party. And I was given an internship to work for one of the county um, offices to do, like, backroom stuff, phone phone banking, um, making sure people came to meetings, came to events, and then kind of work my way up to being a spokesperson for the county office, being an office manager for the office, you know, working with local candidates, fundraising, and it was that point where I thought, you know, this is where I'm going to see my political future is, you know, it has to be through the electoral process. You have to get elected in order for your um, message and or um, legislation that you want to see get passed. So that was like 2000 to 2006. And then it wasn't until 2006 where I was essentially cashing in wanting to run for state office and this is where people on this podcast the old radio station and people i've who have interviewed me um know that was when one run for state rep and it wasn't until then when you know both county offices some people in the state party 
essentially told me that, you know, we're going to focus more on Obama and certain other races and not your race. We're not particularly interested in your race. Um, and quite honestly, we're not interested in your progressive politics as well. And that's where I kind of moved away um, from the Democratic Party into now third party independent politics and now with the Socialist Party USA and everything. That elongated answer comes to the crux of your question, Nick, um, the why. Um, because Democrats lose all the time. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, now now you laugh. I'm laughing because sir, it's they, they, perfectly accurate. What? what? It's perfectly accurate what you're saying. So, I mean, and I don't mean, when I say lose, sure, they win. They win congressional seats. They win state house races. They win electoral partisan races. They do. But they lose. They're not the party of the black community of women for youth, for the disabled, for unions, for everything else. They're not. They lost. Everyone they think that they're on their side is not. They are either independents or they're with the Socialist Party, if not with the Green Party. Um, the ones who are on their side, who are part of the black community, who are the youth, the women, the unions, etc., they're only in it because for their own certain agenda, you know? And you just said it yourself, Nick. I mean, you are doing a fundraiser so that you can put something in front of them. You shouldn't have to put something in front of them in order for them to listen. If you're within a party like the Socialist Party USA where you're heard and you're part of this big collective where you're heard at your local organization, you're heard at the convention, you're heard in like the members only closed um, Facebook group where everybody's talking as we speak. And if we're listening to this podcast and you're hearing dinging, that is my <laughs> messages that I'm getting from other party members. Cause we talk all the time, not only just on the national party level, but even at the local level, people who are not even involved, but they're a part of the party and everything. So Democrats lose. Because what is the future they're trying to build? And if anyone saw CNN last night with Nancy Pelosi, where that one brave kid, Trevor Hill, asked the question, um, if the Democratic Party is ever going to make that stark contrast between the Repu Republicans and themselves, um, Nancy Pelosi said, well, no, we're, we're, we're capitalists, you know, and, and we're not going to change that. That's what she said, that they are not going to change their capitalist perspective in order to progress. They understand capitalism creates economic inequality over some time, but they're going to put reform measures in place so that capitalism has more of a conscience to it. Okay, Whereas, now, let, let me let me let me stop you because this is this is what I kind of want to get into a little bit. You know, you say they say that they are unapologetic capitalists, and 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 you're absolutely right. That's what they said last night, and and they have done nothing to dissuade us, and they wouldn't. I'm not saying like you're you're getting that wrong. You are 100 percent correct when you say that. But here's my issue with the socialist agenda as you've always presented it to me and this is the same issue that i got and i actually got into a fight on sunday with my family about where my dad and i were basically being uh told by everybody how wrong we were with this and you and i fought about this a couple times 
I believe in incrementalism. I do believe that you can only move forward by moving forward slowly. Um, I, I think that the biggest issue that the, the socialist uh, party and other third parties have is they want to do everything all at once, which is not practical. Even to me, who agrees with a lot of what you guys say that you stand for, you know that I'm with you on a lot of stuff. But I just, I personally have always felt that to ask people now to completely rescind capitalism as we use it in one swift motion doesn't make sense. It's going to be a process where it's done very slowly over a period of 40 to 50 to 60 years before the United States is ready to even embrace a socialist thing. And and that needs to be considered by the people that you fight with. And I'll, I'll give you an example, man. I went uh, on the day of the inauguration, Mike Callis, you know, our friend took me around on a little bit of a tour of, you know, protesting 101, basically. And, you know, I've, I've done other stuff like that before, but this was the first time I'd gone with somebody who's as into it as he is. And we go to a meeting at a place you've probably been to, uh, Grace Point. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. he took me to that church for a meeting. And there were probably, I, I, from what I understand, it was a bigger meeting than they usually have because, you know, it was a day that a lot of people had set aside to, to do stuff. And there were probably 75 people in the room, and they sat there and they had group meetings. They did, you know, boards, and then they got back together and they had another discussion, and then they got, and it's what you say, you know, everyone has a voice. Well, here's, you and I have talked about this before, but it's, it's, why did I, why do I cons, I consider Occupy Wall Street and the Occupy movement aside from itself a failure? You do not, right? No, no, it's not a failure because there's still remnants of that today. But okay, but there are still remnants of a sport called high halai. They just did a ESPN thing. That's why you mentioned it. But it, it, here's a good example. Next, tomorrow night, the XFL documentary drops on ESPN. That's a, it, it's a massive failure. Now, if you look into what actually happened, it wasn't that big of a failure financially, but public perception-wise, massive failure. I look at Occupy, and I say from a public relations standpoint, they failed. And the main reason they failed is the same reason that I have such a problem sometimes with the way that you talk about the socialist meetings is that without a single leader, without somebody to really take the reins of something or even a a committee of people who are in charge, it is difficult to get, you know, 10,000 people who all have different opinions to come together. So that's the, the, the reason that I, I, I fight for the Democratic Party and, and say that the, the answer is to fight for them within is because if you force them to change and to address your needs, you can take over their infrastructure, their system, their constitutional protections, their fundraising apparatuses, and drive them further to the left. And you can also have the opportunity to have people in charge. And if you don't like the person in charge, you can get that person out. But you can work in a system that will allow you more access and more ability to get things done. And and when you talk to me about everyone should have a voice, what I what I it sounds great, but in practice, what I've seen is that you get think of those meetings we used to have at the radio station where it was supposed to be me and Bill in charge, but we spent we wasted so much time. Catching everybody up. It's like that thing at, in, when you were in grade school and it's the last five minutes and somebody goes, now, does anybody have any questions? And there was that one annoying ass kid who raised his hand and asked the question that would have been answered before and just won't let the point drop. And I see that happening with 
protest meetings, and I see that happen in political party meetings. When I went and met with the Democrats up in Winneka, I've been joking about this for a while. They're all wonderful people, and their hearts are in the right place, but they spent 40 minutes arguing about what to argue about. And that happens at every meeting that I've been to. And I haven't been to a Republican meeting, but I'm going to go because I'm willing to bet that one person takes the stage, delivers a message, and everyone supports it. And, you know, we can mock that as being lemming-like, but they win. And they, they win in huge numbers in, in, in the places that matter. And I cannot believe that it's because the people on the left are stupid. I think it's because we're too nice. And we're willing to let people talk. And as that's, as that's a good thing, there comes a time. And like right now, for instance, it's been a month, really. I mean, it's been 12 days, but it's been a, it's been a month since the new year. It, we're a month in to, uh, to the Trump presidency, basically. And, and, and I'm telling you, man, it, it feels like opportunity is slipping. Chuck Schumer goes and takes the stage and nobody's there. Mimi, uh, Sol- I always say his name wrong, his last name wrong. Solstistic. Solstistic is nowhere to be heard from, really, on a, on a national level. Now, I know that people are out saying stuff, but it's like there's no cohesion. There's no singular thing. And that's the thing that I'm fighting for within the party itself because I just I feel like presented as a team effort, that's the one thing that Republicans do so well is that they make everybody from the top down feel like they're on the same team. And it feels on the left like you've got your little clique of people who are fighting for your very specific issue, but unless someone addresses your issue first, you don't feel that you matter. And it's just with with the lack of priority of a leader, I just I feel like this opportunity is slipping away to fight back. That's That's kind of where I'm at right now. I see these people out on the streets marching for the Women's March, and that's great, and I love them all being out there, but I'm telling you, it, it, to me, the follow-up, like, the stuff that you've been saying, honestly, is great. Some of the stuff that you say on Facebook of, great, you're out marching, okay, but it's not just about today, it's about tomorrow and the next day, and that's a point that you've been fighting, that Mike's been fighting, that, that yes, it feels really good, and you feel like you've accomplished something, but if you don't keep pushing right now, it's not going to stop. Did you see John Stewart on Colbert last night? No, not last night. It was awesome. He ended it with a bit where he just kind of goes, look, it's going to take every constitutional protection, every journalistic thing that we have to defend against what's currently happening. And if we're really good and we survive the next four or eight years, it is going to be final proof of the resiliency of the United States of America. And I believe that. But do you understand where my concerns come from with what you're talking about? Like, if you if you shove everything in everyone's face all at once, their natural instinct is to shove back. Whereas you just slowly work it in to the party system that, that, that it currently is there. You could create a hostile takeover of the far left of the Democratic Party, which most people, we found out, thanks to Bernie, are kind of supporting. And, 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 and I know that you don't like Bernie because of the fact that he ran as a Democrat. But as a socialist, are you not at least proud of what that man managed to accomplish with moving that? that yes and no. Okay. Um, so, but there's like there's a few things, and and so I'm gonna try to take it like uh, go ahead, point by point, chunk by chunk, a little bit. Yeah, that's fine. So, where do I want to begin? We'll start with the leadership stuff. Well, okay, so the one thing a lot of people misunderstood, um, and even those within Occupy also took out of context, 
um, is that there's a difference between leaderless and leaderful, okay? Occupy was never about being a leaderless movement. It's always about practicing being leaderful. And what's the difference? Well, leaderless is essentially that. You know, there is like no leader and everyone is there, okay? Leaderful is the practice of collaboration and working as a collective and everything. That's what Occupy did. And if anyone who went to a General Assembly, whether it was at Occupy Wall Street, Springfield, Chicago, Rockford, Madison, wherever your Occupy was or nearby, they always practiced leaderful, um, this, this practice called leader, being a leaderful movement. And, and sure, I mean, a lot of people didn't quite, you know, go by um, what was called the formal consensus decision-making model and everything. Um, but for those who did, the veterans of using the consensus model of decision-making, um, it worked, and a lot of things they get accomplished and everything. And I guess the other problem with you know the, 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 the picture you're trying to paint is, I guess, success for one does not articulate success for another, Okay. Here's a perfect no, example. Let me, let, me, let me stop you for a second, though, because this is important. The, 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 the main goal, in the as I understood it from what I was getting from both media and from social media, was the main goal at the initial point of Occupy Wall Street was if there's going to be a government bailout, there should not be bonuses for top executives, and there should definitely be somebody prosecuted. There should be a lot of people prosecuted for the 2008 financial crisis, which was based on fraud. That was the initial thing. And as of right now, one person has been fully prosecuted prosecuted by the state, and it was in a, a, an investor out of London. That's it. No one else has been prosecuted for crimes of the 2008 financial collapse. And now, from my perspective... That was the initial objective, but by week two, they wanted, also we want to make sure the the, the EPA, they just started going off on a list of stuff that they wanted, and at some point, it became untenable for people to talk about what it was. That's the point that I'm trying to make. I, I didn't mean to cut you off completely, but I'm just letting you know that's... That's why I consider it a failure, because their main goal was lost amongst a chorus of people making demands. Continue. But but the other problem, but the problem with that is, you also need to distinguish between the would-be activists that were involved with Occupy who wanted to prosecute um, uh, Fortune 500 companies, top executives, and those in Congress for the bailout and everything, and the grassroots activists and organizers that were within Occupy that understood that Occupy was not this big thing of trying to get Congress to do something. Occupy was essentially trying to make changes or at least address the issues within their area. You know? So Occupy Springfield's mission was never to go by what Occupy Wall Street was doing, because Occupy Wall Street was doing its own thing. We in Springfield wanted to address homelessness issues in Springfield. We wanted to make sure Everyone understood that the largest housing foreclosure was in the Fifth Ward. We wanted to make sure that everyone understood that, you know, the problems in Springfield were the very people who were sitting in their seats at the state capitol and everything. Um, but back to 
success, you know, success doesn't have to be an immediate thing. I mean, there's some resonance when it comes to success and, and, and what have you. I mean, I mean, there's there's resonance of like what Occupy has done. I mean, because of Occupy, you know, there was this huge upswing of credit union memberships, of moving people's money from Chase, U.S. Bank, Wells Fargo, and the other major banks into credit unions. Membership has rose um, dramatically the first go around and has gradually increased ever since then and everything. So that's a big success in my mind. Um, another success is, like I said, Every Occupy in its own little area has reached their own success by getting people more involved in their community. They also have been successful in so far that certain legislation did get passed when it came to um, certain progressive measures or trying to address issues. Um, like Again, I'm picking on Springfield because I was with them the most. I mean, when we dropped the banner in the state house, when they were voting on the Chicago Mercantile Exchange bill, which essentially was transactioning our tax dollar money out of Illinois and giving tax breaks to the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, um, the CBOE, as well as like Caterpillar and a few other businesses that wanted tax breaks. When we dropped that banner saying, vote for me, not for greed. You know, that was big news. I mean, we got media coverage and everything, and more people learned about that because we made political theater out of that situation and everything. So that was a success in our eyes. And even to this day, the people in Springfield are trying to hold the people in the Capitol and the city council because of what we did and everything. So, I mean, success, even in business school, they'll tell you that success doesn't have to be this big monumental um, when, you know, because as you said, you want done things incrementally and success is an incremental thing. And going back to your further point about, you know, how you feel or the view is socialists want, you know, capitalism done in a very big way. We, we've never said that at all. We want it dismantled. We want to transition out from capitalism to socialism, but we never said to completely do away with that you know but that's and, the, but doesn't it bother you that that's the public perception it's only the public perception because that's what democrats always framed it as that anytime anyone says socialism they automatically go to Stalin's russia or tito's yugoslavia or pick your statist um, I don't, I regime don't, you you think that i because that's that's the thing of course i mean i, I how many i've heard i mean who was it um uh, Cuomo, not the governor, but Chris Cuomo on CNN. Um, Who looks exactly like his brother, and it's very unsettling. He does, he does uh, but he's a better-looking one, unfortunately. <laughs> um, he's on TV. He is. And someone said um, socialism, and automatically he said on air, well, yeah, you know, those Stalinists, you know, they don't know what they're doing, and he kept on going. You know, it's, it's people like him and others always say when they say socialism they automatically think soviet union they think of eastern Bloc europe they think of the dictatorship of um the Khmer rouge and pol pot down there in cambodia um even mao's china and that, that's not necessarily the case you know because again 
people okay, don't want to learn. And secondly, yeah. when we do try to tell people that Socialist Party USA is a democratic socialist organization, and here's what we mean by that, you know, that we want to dismantle capitalism through workers controlling the workplace. Well, how do we do that? Well, you create a worker co-op in your business. Maybe create a workers' council like they do in Germany to this day. They have worker councils where the workers on the shop floor make the decisions and then they send them up to the bosses to tell them what should and shouldn't happen and everything. Um, we also want to have state banks where you know the state has control of the money and then all that public money gets used for public services, infrastructure, education, potentially health care, and then gets reinvested back into the state and everything it doesn't go particularly all of it into wall street and everything and through derivatives oh, oh, and what oh, have you all right but but here's 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 where we get into it because now you've listed right there about five things that you that you really want to have done but uh, let's go to the state bank issue uh that you mentioned there because this is something that people talk about that they they want a complete people want the big banks held accountable on both the right and the left. That is something that everybody seems to agree with. The difference is, is how people think that that should be done. People on the right, as of right now, who at least the ones who voted for Trump, seem to think that the solution is strong leader defeats uh, strong company and people all over the world rejoice, you know, very Monty Python style. To be on the left, uh, to Democrats at least, it seems to be the idea of cutting ta- of getting rid of tax loopholes, forcing those big companies to pay their fair share so that money can't be sent offshore to, um, there's a very specific term for it, but basically the whole deal where you move your corporate offices to Ireland or some other country and most of your profits get stored there because you pay a lower tax rate. And then you got the idea of the big banks and all this stuff, and you say state banks, but here's what I would say to you. People on the right, who are the people who you'd need to win to this argument even more so than the people on the left who probably agree with you, just not in in, in the way of how they, they want it executed. They don't think that the government should be involved. So you now have created a two-argument problem. You need to first convince people that the government can be a good thing because to a lot of people it isn't. And then you need to convince them of the state bank. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like the problem is, is that... That I am seeing right now, as far as Democrats, leftists, socialists, whatever term you the hell, you Green Party, whatever the hell expression you want to use to describe yourself, independence in general, if, if you want to make these things happen, the first fight that needs to happen is, is that there is no evil government trying to destroy your life, which is the perception of so many people that the government itself is evil. Well, it's, it's kind of hard to do that when something like that already exists. No, you're absolutely right. So, I mean, I mean, you can go look at North Dakota, which is the only state in the union that has a state bank. And when states were asking for bailout money, North Dakota did not ask for anything because they were the only state in the union that had a surplus. Did they have? A- and if you're in North Dakota, I mean, if you're in a state bank, your interest rate is lower than any other bank because it's in the state, you know? So if you're a student who wants to go to college, whether it's in-state or out-of-state, it's 1% rate or lower to get a loan to go to college. That sounds – that's that's awesome. Why, so, but here's my thing. Go to why another don't, bank, why don't more people know about this? Huh? Okay. 
what you're talking about is great. And if that's and that if that's the case, I am learning about it for the first time right now talking to you. And, and I'm a pretty intelligent guy who spends a lot of time reading shit. So why isn't that information out there more? Do you believe that it's because people are trying to silence that idea? Or do you think it's because people of are in... You think, of so course. You, I mean, and say so that the, the, the General way. Assembly in Illinois, every year, Representative Mary Flowers puts forward a bill every year, and she calls it a... Um, a community state bank or something of that nature, but it's relatively it's same. It's the same thing as the state, the 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 public state bank in North Dakota is what it is. She puts forward legislation every session in the House, and it's always in the Rules Committee because Madigan puts in the Rules Committee every year. This is happens and everything. There's an organization called the Public Banking Institute that where their job is to educate people about public banking. They go around the country talking to people and organizations in the Chamber of Commerce as to why they should be moving forward to having a state bank or a public bank in their states and everything. Arizona is looking at legislation right now to have a public bank down there. I believe Maryland is looking for something like that. I know Vermont, where Bernie's from, is has something equivalent to what North Dakota has right now. So these things exist in everything. And it doesn't have to be a public state bank in order to move your money. You know, just move your money to a credit union, which is another part of getting out of capitalism. Because in a credit union, it's all about the individual and not, and not for companies and everything. And you actually have more of a voice at a credit union than you do in an actual bank, even a state bank and everything, unless you change the mechanics of it a little bit but outside of that i mean those are just two examples a credit union and a public state bank you know the models are there and again people just don't want to get educated about it or if they do have it in front of them they just pass it off or they it is silence i've said this multiple times about cooperatives just cooperatives alone state of wisconsin has more cooperatives maybe just outside of California. I think California has a little bit more, but between... Well, they're also uh, the fifth largest economy in the world, so... Well, they are. And because of that, Wisconsin alone, state revenue through cooperatives, $652 billion, $652 billion in state revenue, creates 2 million jobs hmm. in the state of Wisconsin. Now, think about that for one second. $652 billion in state revenue... Even if you take 150, let's just say a cool 200 million, and drop it in Illinois, we would be somewhat fiscally solvent. I have the image in my head of a bunch of rats going around a piece of raw hamburger. <laughs> Don't you? Why? Because I picture like the congressman all just like, like if you dropped 200 million dollars for public use into the in the in the assembly hall, and just watch them swarm it. And then watch Mike you know? Madigan, this giant fat rat, lumber his way over to it and take a two thirds of it. I, I, I mean, I mean, I mean, this is the thing, and I mean, and, and legislation like this has always, always has been before legislature. But again, like I said, Democrats lose, and well, okay, especially let's, in let's, Illinois, they let's, lose let's in a very big way. Wait, wait, let's focus on that now because we we. we, we You've you've said that several times, and and I and I completely agree with you. And I think that they and when people say that they do, you? Yeah, here's here's <laughs> why I say it, and then you want to bring it back up, though. No, but no, because what I want to do is 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 get into the, uh, some of the other things that need to happen here, because it's it's scary to me how far and how quick 
they're operating right now. This is what I wanted Obama to do when he took over with everything in charge um, in 2008. And it's funny because I was on the other side of it. But it's just right now, right here, right now, there is stuff happening that is incredibly dangerous. And you're right, Democrats lose, but they don't just lose elections because they they, they win, like you, you said at the beginning of this whole show, they win some elections and, and they do a good job when they of getting there when they do, but they are they lose the public perception battle in every freaking uh, opportunity that they have to lose it. And, and that's the part that's bugging me. And that's why when I say I want you to become more involved with that side of it and change them from the inside, it, it's because I get very afraid that the the inability for people to explain, because the right sells easy answers. You and I have talked about this before. How do you fix America? Well, you ban all Muslims from other countries. That will keep us safe. How do you fix the economy? You just cut taxes. And it's simple because you can say it in two or three words. With, with It's not complicated, and it seems like it should work on, on it, it just with, with surface-level looking. And the points that you're making about co-ops and community banks, some of the stuff that I am unaware of until right now while we're recording this show. And I look at it, and I go, and that's not just on... The people whose job it is to tell me, that's on me too. That's on everybody else. People are inherently lazy when it comes to getting information because it's so easy right now to turn on your phone, you, th- you scroll through your Facebook. If you're a news person a little bit more, you screw through your news app, which is basically going to be CNN, Fox News, and you know MSNBC, you know the basic news organizations who are all reporting the same seven headlines. You scan through them, you think you're informed, and you move past it. And then you don't know about the other stuff that's out there that is just as important. And I'm asking you now, my friend, if the options are because this is where I feel like it's at. And 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 you can tell me that I'm wrong, but I feel like right here, right now, at this moment in history, the options are surrender. Or unite and fight. And I just, I think that the uniting of, of everyone on the left from your your moderate Democrat all the way to your just, the dude who lives in California rocking the Che Guevara shirt and the beanie and doesn't have a house because he doesn't believe in owning property. I don't know, I'm just trying to create a caricature. And well, I, that's, that's pretty accurate. I, I'm sure that you know that person. <laughs> um, but... But you see what I'm like it, it, there there comes a point and I think this might be that area where if it's 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 ride or die like look there are things that we all care about on certain levels that we think look I believe that the number one priority for the United States of America to drive us forward should be a mission to Mars because we accomplish the most as a country when we have a set goal and that one is is a wonderful goal to have but I also know that right now, that can't be the number one thing. The number one thing right now is Supreme Court. And look, I, as, as much as you want someone further to the left, I think you would agree that pretty much anybody a Democrat would pick is better than anybody a Republican would pick. Is that correct? I mean, I, I guess. I mean, any of the Supreme Court nominees is... Um, Merrick Garland. Get, Merrick Garland as an example. Versus, I, think, I, think, I think I would get behind Merrick. I personally would get behind Merrick Garland because he's probably the most moderate slash objective nominee you can probably get. And that's But that's my point. Because they, they had that guy already and they've shot it down. So now I'm just... I'm, I, I, I am very afraid for the next couple months and the next year 
because this is when stuff is really going to be ramrodded through. And luckily, it takes time for stuff to go into effect. But you and I have talked about it on this show before. You know, the, the cancellation of the Affordable Care Act is legitimately going to kill people. Stopping mm-hmm. refugees from being able to leave countries is legitimately going to kill people. I have said on social media, if you are supporting this president, you are a murderer. And I believe that. And, and, and it sounds crazy because I'm also the guy who's trying to make an argument for everybody. Like, look, you've got to be willing to reach to the other side and try to understand other people's thinking. And, you know, I, I keep bringing this, this fictitious person up, but the 67-year-old dude who lives in North Carolina who heard about transgendered people being able to use the bathroom, I understand why that guy freaks out. I don't think that he's right, but I can at least empathize with his scenario, put myself in his shoes, and get where he's coming from because it can be a weird thing. I myself, as liberal as I am, am still occasionally when I find out, because of somebody that I know recently announced that they want to transition from a woman to a man, and I've known this person most of my life, and maybe they've always felt this way, I never got that, that inclination when I hung out with her, him, that's the other thing, we get to play the pronoun game now, because I honestly don't know what's offensive and what's not, and mm-hmm. I'm a pretty fucking liberal dude, and I, I just, I yeah. get... I'm just saying, like, asking everybody all the time to be on board with everything that you believe is not practical. So let's try to work together to find a, a common middle where people just, let, let's focus on this because we're still in this thing. What is the, the decision that minimizes people dying? Because I'll tell you this, if you do a thing between number of people attacked by terrorists in the United States versus number of refugees we'd save if we didn't have a ban, those numbers aren't even close. You're going to save a lot more refugees than people are going to die in a terrorist attack. And it's, it's to me, that's where I get, I, I get scared of that. I'm scared of the fact that there's so much infighting on the left that guys like you and I who agree on 90%, the 10% that we disagree on is what separates us all from working together. Fuck that shit. Let's take that 10% and bottle it the fuck up for now and get back to it later because right now, right here, right now, this is chaos and out of chaos comes opportunity. We have an opportunity here to unite 52% of the people didn't vote in the last election. That is 52 independent people, 52% of the population that we can win over to our side to vote in record numbers. Because most independents are actually, the studies show most independents are actually liberal. They just don't like the system itself. Well, let's convince them that the system can work by working within it to make it better. That's, that's where but I'm I, at. I, 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 just, I just have to stop you right there, unfortunately, because... You cannot change within the system. You just cannot make change from the system and going outwards. You simply can't. Why not? It just—it never works. It—it just—just never works. I mean, changing the system from within by getting elected and making those changes from within and going outward has never worked at all. Many people have tried doing it. And those same people are in office, and they're just voting to the agenda that an establishment has, has already been doing. Well, they've done that, but also there's the issue you have, man, of... The, 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 the dog catcher console, whatever it is, it's, <laughs> it's just never worked. Uh, I, I don't... Show me, show me where it has worked. Because 
again, Harvey Milk, who got elected to the San Francisco I mean, I can board, look. I, no. I, can, I can show you places where it worked. They just happen to be really old. Uh, some, exactly. Southern Democrats becoming liberal. Uh, the you, Southern Klansmen Democrats. Right. Well, there you go. So, I'm just saying, it's I, I, worked I, I, okay. through white supremacy. <laughs> he made my point with Nazis. <laughs> oh, that's that's upsetting. Um, I don't know, dude. I just um, you're not wrong about the idea that it's it's difficult, but it's also, I feel like right now this is the only option that we have right now. And, and, no, we don't. The only no one is, is presenting a better option. Get on our side or step aside. Okay, but that's not an option, AJ. That's it not an is. option people are going to take. People it's are not so going to take option. an option. People are not going to take an option of get on board or get out of my way. They're not going to well, be back you. Out way. They're Just not going to back you. That's what I'm trying to say, man. You you can't win that argument. You're not going to win that way. You say we, Democrats always done hold on, people. dude. We can you, do shit now. You say Democrats always lose, and I'm going to be a dick right now and ask you, what the fuck have you ever won with as the socialists? What have you won? They at least win offices. They have a system in place that allows people to get elected. I don't know any socialists on any in any government of, of any importance. I can't think of one. Can you? Because offices don't matter. Now you sound like the guys on the right who are saying, who make that circular argument. That's what that sounds no! like to me. Because again, we are not part. We're not. I mean, sure, political action is a part of what we're doing, but it's not like the forefront thing like Democrats have. You know, I mean, if you want to know what what we have won, um, we're winning by feeding people who have food deserts in places like Dallas and Austin, Texas. We are winning by putting. Um, Food and other supplies and backpacks for kids on the weekend and law enforcement of the Los Angeles Police Department wants to have a drone flying over L.A. And there are people who actually grounded that until further notice. We're actually getting environmentalists to actually getting fracking stopped and everything. That's what we've done. What the fuck have Democrats done? Put them done a pro-business bill called the Affordable Health Care Act passed a pro-business bill in the state of Illinois to keep fracking going and taking sand out of Starved Rock in Oglesby, Illinois, as well as sand out of the Menominee Falls area in Wisconsin and everything. We're actually passing legislation before Trump. A pipeline bills have happened with the pipeline and everything. So what the fuck have Democrats done? Why they've been in seats. They lose every single time. They lose when they're passing legislation that's not for people. So what the fuck have Democrats and anarchists have done? We have done a hell of a lot more since the early 20th century until now. We have done everything. You cannot talk about eight-hour workdays because of a socialist. You cannot talk about a weekend because of a socialist. You cannot talk about the civil rights movement because of a socialist. You cannot talk about the Chinese workers going on strike when the railroad happened because of a socialist. So we've done that since the 1900s. Well, our pockets and everything, that's what Democrats have done. So where the fuck have you guys been doing since we've been doing all this shit? And that, ladies and gentlemen, is as good a spot as any to end because I feel the man won his argument. 
Shut me up. <laughs> Just saying. Man. I mean, show me fucking something. You know what? Your arguments are sound. AJ, we're having technical difficulties on one of our ends, and I think it's time for us to end the show on that very wonderful note. AJ, ladies and gentlemen, fighting the fight. Say goodbye to the people, AJ. Bye, people. All right, folks, time for me to do the whole little deal here, so let's start with the outro. This has been the Chicago Podcast Network's episode of Out Front with AJ and Nick. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in, downloading our show. Reminder, everybody, you can find us on Facebook, Chicago Podcast Network. You can find us on Twitter, Stratton Podcast One. You can find us, uh, you can email us on Gmail, Chicago Podcast Network at gmail.com. Uh, let us know what you thought about today's show. If you have any ideas, apparently both of us are kind of in the mood to hear something that will actually make us feel good and stop us from fighting amongst ourselves. Other than that, uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. Uh, please like us on iTunes, subscribe on iTunes, tell your friends and family about us. You know, we just, we need, we need the love. Other than that, the expression that I am looking for is, uh, we out! 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. You have been listening to the Chicago Podcast Network. You have been listening to the Chicago. All right. Uh, so right there at the end when you were on your epic.